coming up on Marriage Today with Jimmy and Karen. There may be some of you that don't think you're successful. You're very successful. I'm about to talk to you about what success is in God's eyes. There are some of you that maybe feel like that you're failing in life and you're, you're just nailing it. You're a rock star. You don't even know it. You're going to leave here today knowing that you're a rock star. But there are some people who think they're successful, but they're failures. They're living their life according to the wrong standard. Let me begin by talking about the world's definition of success. And I'm going to give you seven things that the world says, if you have these things, you're successful. Okay, the first is financial prosperity. I think we all agree with that. Uh, Having enough money to possess everything you desire and to care for others. In fact, for a lot of people in the world, that's kind of the only standard. Nothing else matters as long as you have money. Number two is popularity and favor, Uh, either through physical attractiveness, personality, talent, or some other means being known, accepted, and well-liked by people. A lot of people sell their souls. Three is power and influence. Social, financial, and or spiritual rank, authority or ability that gives me the power to do as I please and to represent and protect those I care about. Again, a lot of people believe that if you have a certain rank, that is success. Number four, relational happiness. Loving others and being loved in a secure and meaningful relationships. That's a big deal. I mean, that's something everybody wants. Number five, intellect and education. Having a high IQ and being educated at the desired level in the desired field. That, that goes along with being successful. Number six is giftedness. Having special gifts artistically, athletically, musically, or in an area that fulfills my desires and makes me noticed and appreciated by others. Giftedness, whether it's musically, athletically, whatever it might be. And the, the last one is strength and security. Living in an environment in peace and safety and having the ability to protect it. There may be some cultural differences uh, with this definition, but this is per- pretty much universally the truth, and there's nothing wrong with them. When, when you look at the seven standards that the world would use as success, any, given, any one of them can be used righteously. Uh, any one of them can be right and good within itself. But here's the problem. You can be a total failure and have all seven of these. And I want you to notice there's no spiritual definition in there. Of all the seven things that I said, I didn't say one thing about your spiritual life because most of the world does not have a spiritual measurement on success. Money, looks, power, popularity, those are the things the world strives after as it relates to success. You can have all seven of the things that we just talked about there and be a complete failure in God's eyes according to God's definition of success. And so... Jesus Christ, our Savior, and our example <laughs> didn't have very many of those. He didn't have, first of all, he wasn't popular. When you die on the cross, you know you lost the popularity contest. You know what I'm saying? He's popular now, but he wasn't popular then. They crucified him. We don't know that he was attractive. Isaiah 53 says he's nothing to look at, that we should gaze upon him. Well, that could be describing him on the cross, but understand this. Before the cross, Judas had to kiss him so they would know which one he was. Judas didn't say the tip of the prayers, just I'm gonna the good looking one, that's Jesus. He he didn't stand out in the crowd, as far as we know. He died penniless. He had to he had to borrow a grave to be buried in. But let me say this to you. 
Our Savior was the most successful person who ever drew a breath on this earth. There will never be anybody as successful as the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the world's eyes, he was a failure. And I hope this is causing you to question everything you have in your mind is a valuation of success in your life. Because this is a big deal. The way we live our lives, the way we think about success. And here's the problem, some of the problems of having wrong standards of success. The number one is a wrong sense of success or failure. Let me say something. <laughs> there may be some of you that don't think you're successful. You're very successful. I'm about to talk to you about what success is in God's eyes. There are some of you that maybe feel like that you're failing in life and you're, you're just nailing it. You're a rock star. You don't even know it. You're going to leave here today knowing that you're a rock star. But there are some people who think they're successful, but they're failures. They're living their life according to the wrong standard. Another problem of having the wrong standard of success is wrong parenting and wrong modeling. I want you to listen to it. We are the model of success to our children. Um, when I was in business, a man came up to me and offered me a lot of money to, um, to work for him. I was a good salesman. Uh, I was the top salesman the first month I ever sold. So I'm, my family's a family full of salespeople. So we sell. So he came to me knowing that I knew how to sell, and he came to me and offered me a ton of money. Well, we were in this church, and I was not the pastor. We had a life group. I was a Sunday school teacher. We were very involved. Karen uh, had a life group and worked in the nursery, and we were very involved in the church. And this guy told me, he said, um, if you come to work for me, you're going to have to work nights and weekends. And I looked at him. He's sitting in my living room, and Karen's sitting right there. And, and I looked at him, and I said, I won't work nights and weekends. I said, we've got, a, we've got our church. We've got a life group. And I said, that's just an inviolable part of our lives. And he mocked me. He laughed at me and mocked me there in my living room, telling me basically I was a fool for not giving up uh, my life group in this church to make money. Well, let me just tell you something. That's over 30 years ago. I thank God that I told him no. Because he was wrong. I will not sell my soul for money, and I taught my children, don't sell your soul for money. Listen to me. A lot of parents, because they have the wrong standards of success, they raise their, their children are busy at school, busy with sports, busy with friends, and God comes last. Guess what? When you raise your kids like that, they, grow, they live their lives like that, the rest of their lives. God comes last. Money comes first. Friends come first. Popularity comes first. All of those things come first, and if you can fit God in, he comes there. What we taught our children is God is first, period. God is the inviolable. God comes first. Church comes first. We will not sacrifice God for anything. Notice, though, back when I was talking about the seven standards of success, there's not a spiritual definition in there because most people don't think about it. I can't tell you how many Christian parents I've seen raise their children according to worldly values of success and wonder why their heart gets broken later on. We, as parents, we need to raise our children to love God first. And everything else comes after that. We love God first. And if your children love God first, they're going to succeed in life. Number three, wrong decision making. I'm talking about people graduating and choosing majors in college. Um, I, love, I love this saying. Choose a career that fills your heart first and your pocketbook second. I didn't get any amens on that, but I like it. I'm, I'm for that. L listen, listen to what I heard. This was, this was something I heard 
uh, I read, and that is 60% of the jobs that will be available for graduating seniors don't even exist right now because of changes in technology. When you sit down and you choose a career based on money, not that that's not important, but are you going to be fulfilled in that? My brother was the administrator of a psychiatric hospital down in Houston. And they had a, they had a guy come in, just went off. He just went nuts. And they brought him in. They admitted him into this hospital that my brother was over in. Um, they began to treat this guy. And they found out he had just graduated from dental school. His grandfather was a dentist, his father was a dentist, his uncles were dentists, all of his brothers were dentists. So by default, he became a dentist. And all of a sudden, he graduated from dental school and just lost his mind. So as they were treating him, here's what he said. I hate putting my hands in another person's mouth. I hate everything about dentistry. And in dental school, I just kind of blocked it out. But the day I graduated, I realized I've got to start putting my hands in people's mouths for the rest of my life. He said, I can't take it. I don't want to do what I do for a living because my granddaddy did it or my daddy did it or anybody else did it. I want to do what I do for a living because God called me to do it. And it fulfills my heart. And some of the most important people in society don't get paid enough, and they never will. Policemen, firemen, teachers, people like that, military people, they're doing what they're doing, many of them, because they're called to do it, and they're sacrificing money for the sake of doing what they love. I respect those people. And if you make a ton of money, good for you. Maybe God called you to do that. But I'm saying, don't choose a career just for what comes in your pocketbook. That's what the world says. That's what the world says. What about what God says? What about what God called you to do in your mother's womb? To be fulfilled in life. A lack of inner fulfillment. This is another problem with having the wrong standards. You're just not fulfilled. You're doing everything the world tells you to do to succeed, but there's just something missing. You're off track. And number five, not accomplishing God's best for your life. King Solomon, he died of failure. He didn't, he didn't finish the race well because he, here's the interesting thing. You know, the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed. Solomon was transformed and became conformed. Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs because his mind was transformed by God to think like God, he became the most successful man in the world and wrote a book talking about morals, our mouths, money, everything important in life. He was transformed and then his foreign wives conformed him into a worldly way of thinking about success. When we, if we want to be truly successful, it means we use God's definition and not the world's definition. Now, just for time's sake, we're going we're gonna to talk about three parables. Here's parable number one. It's the ten virgins. He said there were five wise and five foolish. And the five foolish came up to him and said, Lord, Lord. And he looked at them and said, I don't know you. Now, I want you to listen to me. I believe this is accurate. I believe that half of people who say they're Christians don't know Jesus. Christi Christianity is simply what their parents were. Christianity is simply what they choose to be rather than being another religion, but they do not know Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Jesus didn't come and die to start another stinking religion. The last thing the world needs is another stinking religion. Jesus died on the cross so we could have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus? 
Whatever degree you have, do you know Jesus? However much money you make, do you know Jesus? Whoever loves you or hates you, do you know Jesus? And if you know Jesus, you're a rock star, you're successful. You're on your way to heaven. You got it made eternally. And if you don't know Jesus, don't tell me you're a success. Don't tell me you're a success. But you can be a success simply by receiving Jesus as the Lord of your life. Jesus said, you be ready. You don't know when I'm coming. And he told a story about five virgins. The oil in the story represents time. You cannot borrow someone else's time. I can borrow your money. I can't borrow your time. And time is the commodity of relationship. It's impossible to know a person you don't spend time with. The wise virgins use their oil. They use their time getting to know the bridegroom before the last minute. And when the bridegroom came, he opened the door and said, come on in here, all you people know me. Come on in here, you bride. You're not perfect. You've been redeemed by my blood, but I know you. You spent time with me. You know me. And the other ones who had wasted their time, at the last minute when the door was shut, they ran up trying to borrow the oil of the wise, and they said, I'm sorry, I cannot share my personal relationship with you. You have to have your own. Doesn't matter if your mama was a Christian, your daddy was a Christian, your brother was a Christian, it doesn't matter, it doesn't make you a Christian. Preacher said one time, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. Preachers, don't, don't they get on your nerves? Do you know him? I'm not saying do you know about him, do you know Jesus? Teach your children that God comes first. And don't let anything come in the way of God in your life. And don't put him off. That's the moral of the story here. The second story, I'm, the se second parable, I'm just going to paraphrase this for time's sake, is the, the three stewards in Matthew 25. These are, these are consecutive. Jesus tells these three parables consecutively, telling them, when I come again, this is, this is what it's going to be like. In the story of the three stewards, one man got five talents, one man got two, one man got one. And then the, man, the, the owner of those talents went on a long journey. Listen to me. A talent was worth $360,000. So the man that had five talents had about a million and a half dollars. The man that had two talents had $720,000. And the man who had one talent had $360,000. So don't, when this guy hides this money, and, and so the man who had five immediately went and began to invest it, and he made five more. The man who had two went and made two more. The man who had one dug, dug in the ground and hid it and wouldn't invest it. And then the master came back and held them to account, okay? And so one day, we're gonna be held into account of how we lived our lives. Now, if you know Jesus, you're going to heaven, okay? You don't have to work your way to heaven. But here's the question. Are you living your life for you or him? Let me ask this. Are you living your life to accumulate wealth or to accumulate people to go to heaven with you? I need money, you need money. Nothing wrong with making money. But the point is this. Jesus wants us to show him a profit when he comes back. Jesus doesn't want us to waste our lives. He wants us to live our lives for him. And the number one thing that is valuable to God is people. Is people. God values human souls more than anything else. Let me say this. There's a king and a kingdom that we get to serve. There's a world of hurting and lost people that we get to reach. And then we go to heaven and get the eternal reward for that. That is success. That is success, living your life for God. Here's the third story. And I'll finish this one quickly. This is, 
This has to do with, this is called the sheep and the goats, Matthew 25. This is Jesus' third parable. And Jesus said, these people laying up in the hospital, these people that are in prison, these people that are hungry and naked and thirsty, as far as you're concerned, that's me. When you didn't do it to them, you didn't do it to me. And the sheep said, Lord, we didn't realize when we were helping all those people that we were helping you. And Jesus said, come on in, family. You act like me, and you have my heart toward other people. And the goat said, Lord, when did we see you naked, prisoner, hungry? And Jesus said, you didn't. You turned your back. You're not like me. But here's the moral of this story. When we know Jesus, it means we live our lives for a higher purpose than just ourselves, and we treat people with love and compassion. Let me say this. I don't know how much money you have or don't have. I don't know who likes you or doesn't like you. I don't know what your position in life is. But if you know Jesus, you're living for him, and you treat people with love, you're a rock star. And don't you ever let anybody tell you any different. You may not look as good as other people say you ought to look. You may not have all of the pedigree that other people tell you you ought to have. I'm telling you, if you know Jesus, you're living for him, and you treat people with love, you've got everything that is required to be a successful person on this earth. And in heaven, that will be fully revealed. I love to help people to know that you can change your mind, that you can change your thought life, which changes everything. The Bible says, as a man thinks within himself, so he is. In other words, our thoughts are the engine that creates our actions, our relationships, everything in our lives. And so when we're, you know, got messed up thoughts like I did when I came into marriage, you know, we need help. And so I hope that that really blessed you. But that is just a small part now of a full seminar that I do called I Changed My Mind. And so right now for your gift of any amount to support us here at Marriage Day, and I hope you will support us here because we have a mission across America, around the world to help people to succeed in marriage and to help you to keep coming back to you, but also go to many other people. For your gift of any amount, we're gonna send you the CD single, I Changed My Mind About My Attitude. Powerful teaching that will really, it will, it will encourage you and really inspire you. For your gift of $55 or more, we'll send you the full five-part CD series, I Changed My Mind, along with my book, When Life Hurts, talking about dealing with baggage from our past and issues of, of pain in our lives. Not just our past, but maybe something you're going through right now. For your gift of $90 or more, we'll send you the full five-part DVD series and the book, When Life Hurts. Listen, this really is life-changing information that will bless you, bless you personally, plus your marriage and family. Here's how you can get it. I changed my mind. Overcome negative thoughts and live a life of freedom and peace through this practical series by Jimmy Evans. For your gift of $55 or more, you'll receive the CD series and Jimmy's book, When Life Hurts. For your gift of $90 or more, you'll receive the DVD series and book. Discover how to always have a positive attitude, how to overcome worry and anxiety, and how to eliminate fear and find fulfillment. We have the ability to expose, to challenge, and to expel any thought that is in our minds right now that doesn't belong there. For your gift of any amount to support the mission and ministry of marriage today, we'll send you the CD single, I Changed My Mind About My Attitude. Happiness is a choice within your control. You can change your mind and experience breakthrough in every area of your life. 
Experience this powerful series by Jimmy Evans today. Welcome back. Um, Jimmy and I have a couple more questions that we want to answer for you. First, this is for you. I've been married twice over the past 20 years and am considering marrying again. How can I ensure a successful marriage this time? Well, you know, the third third marriage, mm -hmm. and uh, and I'm, I'm not saying this is a curse to this person, but uh, the divorce rates go up pretty dramatically mm -hmm. every time you marry. Mm -hmm. And it's the, the wonderful thing about that question is they're saying, how can I keep that from happening again? You know, uh, you can divorce a person, but you can't divorce yourself. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when we divorce, we believe this person's the problem. And if I get rid of them and go to the next marriage, then it's going to be better. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is. Many times it's not. In fact, a second marriage has a significantly high divorce rate, mm -hmm. higher divorce rate. It doesn't mean it has to happen. Mm -hmm. But but what happens is is believing mm -hmm. this is the problem. If I get a new spouse, it's going to be all different. But I'm not different mm -hmm. unless I've been ministered to, unless I've been healed. So what, what I would say is, what did your ex-spouse say was the problem with you? Mm -hmm. And see, if you weren't listening to that, mm -hmm. if you thought they were the problem and mm -hmm. you weren't listening, go back and think to yourself, well, I wonder, I wonder why my first two marriages failed. Mm -hmm. Because it wasn't 100% your spouse. I can promise you that. Mm -hmm. And you can succeed in marriage. You really can. And uh, you can have the marriage of your dreams. It doesn't matter. J Jesus went to the woman of the well of Samaria. She had been married five times. Mm -hmm. And Jesus loved her, and Jesus ministered mm -hmm. to her and, and dealt with her core needs. Our marriage, our, our website, marriageday.com, is full of marriage-building resources, of When Life Hurts, my book, uh, the Hurt Pocket series, just talks about hurts from our past, Marriage on the Rock, all, all different types of resources that we have uh, to help you in your marriage. And so I would just encourage you, Get get ministry. Go out and get ministry. Get our resources. Well, and you said it right about the resources because so many couples that have been divorced, they get our material with yep. their second marriages, and they always say, "I wish I had known exactly. this before I married the first time." And so, you know, it's it, you're saying exactly right. Go on our website, and get the stuff because you can have a third marriage that works if you go by the stuff that God says that we're teaching that helps you. And then, you know, I think that's great advice. Yes, and and I hope you know that God loves you, mm -hmm. and you know. Divorce is not an unforgivable sin. God is a very gracious God, and He doesn't hate people who are divorced. He does. He just knows that it damages mm -hmm. us, and He loves us. Like any parent, He wants what's best for us. So God loves you. He's on your side, but you're asking the right questions, and I, I believe you will succeed. And let me ask one more question before we have to close uh, this to Karen. My parents weren't the best examples of how to raise children. How can I be a better parent to my kids, Karen? That's a good question. You know, you and I, you know, we love our parents and they're great now, but you and I didn't have great parents. Right. You know, we came from a generation that parenting wasn't that yeah. important. I mean, it was hard work more than right. parenting. And so, you know, I know that you and I, as parents, as, as we became parents, we had to learn, you know, and we had to get books and we had to um, find out how to be parents because we didn't know. And, you know, it's a trial and error thing. You know, you, you're... 
The thing that I love about being a parent is your children are going to be okay as long as you are being in the, the will of God of what does God's Word say. You know, go to, go to God's Word and see what He says about raising children. And raise your children under the influence of what the Bible says because that's a great foundation for any parent to have Absolutely. because there are no guarantees in life, but there's a guarantee in God's Word. That's right. And, you know, your kids can turn out great no matter what. I know for me personally... I didn't think I was a good parent because I didn't know how. And I spent so many, so much of my time on, on my knees praying and asking for God to not only change me, but to help my children be the best that they could be. And, you know, uh, I just love the grace God gives us when we just cry out as innocent and, and unknowing and uh, with no understanding. And he gives us the information and the wisdom that we need. And so, you know, it's just not, it's not... I hate to think that people think that they have to be a perfect parent to be have perfect kids because that's a lie. And you don't have to be a perfect parent. You can be loving. You can love love each other. Loving each other is a huge thing on how you raise your children. Sure. And then trust God with your children and raise them in an environment that loves God and loves people. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're out of time, and uh, we hope that this program today was a blessing to you. Watch this. In our society, marriage is under attack, and, and we all know that. Family is under attack. But here at Marriage Today, we believe that the power of God is greater than any other power. And we believe that the power of God's Word is more powerful than any lie or deception that can be told. And many people who are failing in marriage, they're not evil people. They just don't know any better. And we love to go into people's homes across America, around the world, with this message of hope for marriage and family. And I hope that you've been helped by this, but we can only do this because of our financial supporters. And I'm asking you right now, if you've been touched by our ministry, if you believe in the mission of what we're doing is holding families together, helping people build successful marriages and families, I'm asking you to give your most generous gift that you can. The information is there on your screen of how you can call or send your gift in the mail or also go on our secure website and give. And you can also become a monthly partner and get a special resource only our partners receive. Here's more information on how you can do that. Going through divorce is a lot to ask of children and often results in years of emotional pain. It's a violent ripping apart of their parents and a sense of abandonment. What sometimes we see as a quick way out can mean complete loss for a child. you have a 100% chance of success in marriage. You, you were made for marriage. Marriage Today exists to protect children from the pain of divorce and to steer couples away from marital failure by telling them the truth. When you stand with Marriage Today, your individual effort multiplies with other like-minded partners, and together we can rebuild the legacy of strong families around the world. Choose your level of partnership today and receive immediate access to the video streaming library Become a rock-solid partner today.